0: I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and listen to how Paul frames this up. He says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. Like, I I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. I'm going to go off track a little bit today. I'm going to go off that. I just hope you'll bear with me in this. Do bear with me, verse 2, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. This is Paul speaking to this church in Corinth, and he a, a church that he planted, a church that he cares for. And he's saying, I feel a jealousy for you. But notice it isn't like, oh, other people have come in and taken this. It, it's No, he's going to something really important for us. I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you. I betrothed you to one husband to present uh, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ but i'm afraid i'm afraid that as the serpent deceived eve by his cunning your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ This is Paul, and notice what he says. He uses a word here that's really important for us. He says betrothed, this idea of like this engagement. And the Bible again and again speaks to this picture of the church being the bride of Christ. This marriage picture. In fact, when we get marriage, what we get out of marriage is actually a picture of something so much more. It's a picture of the gospel. And here, Paul goes directly to that again. He's like, I planted this church. Paul's saying, "Like this church is here betrothed, promised as the bride of Christ to Jesus. And my fear is that you have become distracted, pulled apart led astray by other things. And so this morning, what I hope is to uh, put in context real quickly just a call for us to remember that even this church in Yukon is betrothed to Christ. Now, in, in biblical times, this word betrothed meant something slightly different. It's closer but not a perfect parallel to what we call engagement. It, it, it was legally binding. It was legally binding in that time. The betrothal process meant you were husband and wife at the time, even though it wasn't consummated. It meant that there is a binding, a commitment, a covenant right here in the betrothal process. And that time meant like the groom would go away for a period of preparation and the bride was to be ready. The bride is to be ready, to be alert. You can go to Matthew 25 and see Jesus himself gives a parable about this. You see this going away and this returning of the bridegroom. We see that again and again. And the Bible speaks to that. You go to Revelation 19. You could go to other spots and see this. This picture is uh, of enormous importance to us that we would catch that the role of the church is a bride in waiting for a bridegroom that is significant in far more ways than I can go to today but it is something that is uh, of utmost importance to us it is, it is something significant in every way that the church is Jesus's precious bride and so this morning i just want to i just want to highlight three aspects of that that matter for us three aspects that are of enormous importance and three aspects that we might have forgotten about the first one is that the the bride of Christ is beautiful. It's beautiful in ways that we tend not to give it credit for. It, it is beautiful it, it, not because it is perfect. We're falling short. We're a falling short people. We confess that. We're, we're not beautiful because we have our act together or because our church is, is perfect in every way. But the bride of Christ is beautiful. Hear what the word of God says over here. This this rather uh, strange little letter that we get in the Old Testament, Song of Solomon, this love letter between a husband and his bride, this picture of God in the church. Hear what he says in Song of Songs, uh, chapter 1, verse 15. Behold, the groom says to the bride, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. This letter that's given to us to have a deeper understanding, not just of what marriage looks like here on earth, but what marriage looks like between God and his bride is here is the groom who says, behold, you are beautiful. And behold is significant to us because so often we forget to look, to stop and to stare and say, you are beautiful. Every time, I, every time I do a wedding, one of my favorite things is I, I get to stand there with the groom in this magic moment. It really is the best part of getting to be the pastor officiant in that. I get to stand there next to the groom, and I slide out of the way. So the groom has this moment of seeing the bride walk to him down this aisle. And listen, here it is. If You you may or may not have this moment of standing in this, or this spot, but next to the groom is... It is electric. You feel that moment when the door opens up or wherever this is, when the bride appears, it is electric and the groom feels that. The Bible makes the case that that God God himself sees the church, sees his bride as beautiful. And I just wonder, have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten the beauty that is there, which is present? Ephesians 5 speaks of husband and wife, and it, it tells us at the end, he's like, we're, we're not just speaking about human, we're speaking about God and his church here in verse 27 of chapter 5, Ephesians 5, 27, he says, so that, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. God God serving the church, the husband serving the bride to present it in splendor. Not a word that we use every day. Not a word that comes up every day, but goes directly to the appearance of something without wrinkle, without spot, without blemish. And we know that we come with blemish. So it's not something that we will fully appreciate or it's not something that we'll fully embody until heaven, until eternity. But it is something in which the bride is to to see that the groom calls it beautiful. The second thing I wanna highlight for us, the second thing is is definitely that the bride is beautiful to the groom. But the second piece is that it is of of enormous worth to the groom. It's of enormous worth. And, And I want you to hear me because on our own, we are not of enormous worth to this. On our own, we fall short. On our own, we are all sinners having fallen short of the glory of God. It's on our own that we don't measure up to the standard that God has given us. And yet this God still says, I will give everything for my bride. Everything, every bit of it, the Word of God lets us know this and again, in Ephesians five, it's Christ gave himself up for her. He gave himself up for his bride. you see that's that is the amazing big story of the Bible. This big story of the Bible is that God Sees our sins, sees our falling short. He recognizes that we can't pay our own price. We don't make ourselves beautiful. We're so sin-soaked and in this world, we can't clean our, ourselves up in any way. And yet this God in and of himself decides to give worth and value to it. God gave himself for our sin and God makes a way for each of us. And he does this for his For his bride, made up of individuals. Not for frontline, not for some individual church, but for the bride of Christ. It is of enormous worth. It is of enormous worth. And so the bride is beautiful. The bride is of enormous worth. And here, catch this. The bride has dignity. One of the things I've seen uh, doing a number of weddings is that there are all sorts of crazy things that happen. There are all sorts of crazy ideas that people have in putting on a wedding. And they see it. and Often I've had this conversation of like, did you see that on The Bachelor or something? Did you see that? And, and that was where you got this idea. It's like, hey, let's remember what we're here for and let's remember the significance of this moment. And I would say that Paul's words in 2 Corinthians are like, hey, would you, would you indulge me in a little foolishness to say, hey, let's remember who we are in Christ. We're not a collection of individuals who get together once a week. We're we're not just somebody trying to make it through life. This isn't some solo project. This is how God knits together the body of Christ making up the bride of Christ, which has dignity. Dignity is interesting because the, the actual definition of dignity goes towards being worthy of respect being worthy of respect, that the bride of Christ is worthy of respect. We live in a day, we live in a moment in which we recognize there's so many broken spots in our world. There's so many broken spots in our church, in our church directly. There are so many uh, things that come up about the church and stories and all sorts of things that we hear and we roll our eyes even. We we can get disgusted and, and frustrated and we can even throw our hands up in the air and say man I don't even know like I'm okay with God I'm not okay with his people they're crazy and I want you to hear again I want you to hear again that that is not a position that we can hold because the bride of Christ is beautiful to the groom it is worth so much to the groom and it has dignity is deserving of respect to the groom hear these words hear these words from Hebrews and again, I love going back to Hebrews because it, it helps us to understand that broadly the work that Jesus has done. But we get to this in chapter 10 of Hebrews. He says, therefore, brothers, as he's explained who this Jesus is, he is true and better in every way than whatever comp we could come up with. If you think Moses is the highest or David is the highest, Jesus is better. If you think the sacrifice is good, if you think the sacrifice is sufficient, Jesus is better. If you think just trying to clean yourself up is what it takes, no, Jesus is the only answer because he is better and he is is worth all of it. But here's what it says in in chapter 10. It says, therefore, brothers. The gathering of the church, therefore gathered church, since we have confidence to enter the holy place because of by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, friends, that passage tells us twice it says draw near. Because of what God has done, because He's given His flesh, because He has broken down every barrier, He says to the Church of God, to the Bride of Christ, He says, "Draw near, draw near in confidence. Let us let us not uh, f- let us not neglect the gathering together. Draw near. It's because of His sacrifice. It's because He's worthy. It is because Jesus is this promised King." And hear this, it isn't just promise that he's returning, he's promised as the groom for his bride. He's promised. So draw near. And Maybe, maybe you've been approaching the church as just another thing. Just another thing to find spot for it in your calendar. Just another thing that I do. Just another thing in my life. Just another thing that's been there. Maybe, maybe you've believed the narrative. The narrative that it's all just a mess. That they're all just hypocrites that at some point they'll all be found out. Maybe you believe the narrative of whatever documentary or whatever story you've heard or read off of these things. Uh, let, Let me just say this clearly. The church is made up of messed up, limping people. And we should be the first to say, yes, I fall short. I fall short. It's God where we find our hope and he says to draw near to one another maybe maybe you've grown cold maybe it's just become routine and maybe you've lost like that first picture that he had, which is what Paul's speaking to. Would you indulge me in a little foolishness to speak here because he betrothed you. This church is betrothed to God, the groom. And maybe that's grown cold in your heart. And maybe you need to, in some way, renew your vows and remember that you stood there with the groom. And you said, no, you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. And my life is different now. Maybe somehow you've been led away from what the Bible calls that pure devotion, that pure devotion that He calls us to, of valuing the bride. Recently, we were on a we were on a retreat. We were on a retreat, our wives, elder and wives retreat. And one of the things that we we spent time talking about was just as a husband, as a wife, speaking to one another and reminding yourselves of like, this is what I value in you. This is, this is, I, I choose you in this. And it was interesting. My wife and I sat there uh, it, in our room uh, at this table, and, and we just, we're, we're about to celebrate 26 years together uh, again. And here's what I, I, I said to her. I'm, I'm going to out you for just a second. This, this is one of the things that God put on my heart. I know so much more about her than I did 26 years ago. I know so many more things about her, good and um, challenging. I know so much more about her than I did 26 years ago. And I was crazy in love about her 26 years ago. And here is what the Lord really pressed on me. I know all of these things that I didn't know then. And I would choose you all over again. I would choose you all over again. Friends, I... My heart is reminded, I think that there are people that have been in church or been around church, been burned by church, been hurt, had wounds, and felt like like this is, I don't know if I want to dive back into it. And yet the Bible calls us to draw near. It says to see it as beautiful, to see dignity and worth in what God has said, I choose you, I choose you. So I don't know where you're at in, in in walking with church maybe maybe you have been walking as the bride of Christ for 26 years or for 50 years or however long in your life maybe maybe it's today in which you step into that But I know there are a couple things and I want to encourage you I want to encourage you to cultivate Cultivate. That means that means like till the soil of your heart. Work on your heart. Do the the work to look at yourself and say, Do I, do I see the church, the bride of Christ, as beautiful? Or do I see it as something else? God help me to see it beautiful. I, I would ask you to cultivate it in your in your heart, in your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. I would ask you to cultivate that 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 realization that it is worth so much to our God. It matters that God gave all of himself for it. He didn't just give part of himself. He gave all of himself for the pride of Christ. And then I would ask you to cultivate in your heart, in your life, a spirit of, of dignity and splendor in which you build it up. You bring beauty to the bride. You bring life to the bride. You bring, you bring uh, your gifts to the bride. That we would be leaning in and cultivating those things as we gather in the church. That we wouldn't, we wouldn't leave it uh, on the side. That it wouldn't grow cold. And that it would be something in which matters to us. And the second thing I would say is not only are we to cultivate, but we're to covenant to one another. Like uh, the marriage picture is one of covenanting. It isn't one of just saying, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. We'll hang out together. We'll have a good time. And if it lasts, it lasts. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. No, the picture of marriage is one of covenant that says, I am here with you for the long haul. Thick and thin, I'm here through all of it. I'm in every bit of this. It is a covenant. And that's why membership matters. We're not just saying like, I'll be here as long as you play the right songs or do the right stuff or have the right programs or have the coolest building. I, I'll be here as long as you have what I'm looking for in this. No covenant with us. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we're perfect or that, that God might not lead you away at some point to another place in which you're covenanting. But don't just graze. Don't just browse. Don't just hang out and endlessly date. Stand in this moment with us as a covenanting people. Bringing beauty. Speaking the worth and dignity of the bride of Christ together. Will you bow your heads with me?